Amen. Good morning, guys. How's it going? How's everybody doing online? Nothing? Okay. All right. Well, it's worth a shot. I figured I'd try, uh, see if anybody would respond, but nobody's listening online, apparently. Uh, (laughs) Good morning, guys. I am excited to be here this morning and excited to be starting a new series with you guys uh, on the kingdom kingdom of God. We're talking about uh, for the next three weeks, and uh, there's some really cool sermons. I think Bobby's got planned to follow this one up. Uh, Hopefully, I kind of set him up for those. If not, we can pretend like this one didn't happen at all. We'll start the kingdom series next week, but uh, uh, hopefully it works out really well, and and he'll still claim me as his youth kid, Uh, but uh, if not, you know, is what it is. Uh, So (laughs) here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And this is such a broad topic. Uh, So we're going to be narrowing it down to a couple of specific points. And obviously, uh, if you want to know every single thing that there is about the kingdom of God, well, then you should have been at our Monday night Bible study uh, where Steve White is going through literally every single thing. Hey, buddy, what's up, man? Uh, We're going through a a study of the kingdom of God. But this is going to be more taking a look at individual pieces and asking kind of big questions like, what would it be like if we really lived our lives? What would it be like if we really lived our lives like we were members and citizens of a different kingdom? You know, if there was a, a kingdom that was out there that was perfect, you know, a lot of people uh, like to trash on, on, on different countries and different places. And they're like, you know, that, this got this problem. This one's got this problem. And, and look, they all have problems. But what if there was one that didn't have any problems? What if there was one that was perfect? What if there was one uh, that we could claim citizenship in and be un, uh, unashamed, completely proud of, to be excited for, and that kingdom is the kingdom of God? Friends, uh, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul puts it this way. He says, but our, he's talking about some, some people who have uh, some worldly ideas. He says, but our citizenship is where? It's in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. 1 Peter 2, chapter chapter 2, verse 9 puts it this way. You, that is the church, that is the kingdom of, uh, 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 of people. It says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, right? A holy nation, a people for his own possession that you why why did he possess us why did he make us into that nation why did he give us this title and this uh, honor to be a part of his kingdom why it says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light it is a wonderful an amazing thing to be a member of that nation, to be a member of that priesthood, to be a member of that people, a people for God's own possession. Christ is king, amen? Christ is king, but what is he king of? Well, he's king of a kingdom. But that's kind of hard for us to wrap our brains around. First of all, we don't really say kingdom a whole lot anymore. We don't have a lot of kings uh, around, I guess, the the British. I don't know. Maybe there's some other ones around. I'm sure there are. Uh, They don't even have a king. It's a queen, right? So maybe one day they'll have a king again. We we got Leo. So... (laughs) 
It's perfect. We've got a king right here. You know, we don't have a lot of that. It's kind of hard for us to picture what does a kingdom look like? And so I was trying to figure out, you know, how do I paint this picture and how do we get into talking about what we're talking about this week, which is the gates of the kingdom. And I realized that there was already a picture painted. If, if you want to turn, I'll put it up here on the screen too, uh, but there's a, there's a book called the book of Revelation. And in it, John has these fantastic visions, right? Uh, John was one of uh, the apostles that, uh, uh, that didn't actually... Uh, he did not uh, actually deny Christ. He went with him all the way to the cross, right? And Jesus comes to him later in life when he's being persecuted and exiled on the Isle of Patmos, and he says, I'm going to give you some fantastic visions. I'm going to show you what things really look like. And a lot of this is all built around things that are figurative, right? We're looking at things and we're trying to understand what they really mean here, okay? Uh, this is not designed to, you know, you don't need to measure out, and, and we'll talk about that later, exactly how big the city is and be like, well, man, how are all the people going to fit in there? Uh, this, this is talking about a, a, an idea, all right? And I want to look at it here with you, okay? Revelation chapter 21, this is towards the end of the book. John sees this. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he shall wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, and neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain forevermore, for the former things have passed away. Man, can you just imagine, for just a second, if you can try to like use your, your childlike imagination, pretend you're, you know, reading a book or something and you're, and you're, you're imagining what this looks like and imagine for John what this is like when, when he sees the, the first earth and the first heaven pass away. I mean, we, we watch movies all the time about, like, world-ending destruction. That's, like, the worst thing in the whole world that we can imagine is the world, you know, being, being destroyed. But he's watching as everything that he's ever known, it, it dissolves, it, it lets go, it, it burns with a fervent heat, and it disappears as Christ announces his new kingdom here, right? And, and here he sees all the things have passed away, and John can finally see what has been there all along. The kingdom is not something that happens in the future, but there's just some stuff in our way that keeps us from seeing it very well. It's hard, maybe, to see what the kingdom looks like, but once those things pass away, now, what's John see? Just the spiritual. He just sees the kingdom as it really is. And man, is it beautiful, right? The kingdom that Christ is building is a beautiful kingdom. And it comes down and we could talk about, you know, it looks like Jasper and it's got all these precious stones for foundations and the walls are so long and so tall and so high and it's this amazing, wonderful thing. The streets are paved with gold and there's, you know, sapphire lakes and you just go through all this cool stuff that there is. But what's most beautiful about the kingdom is that God is there. The most beautiful part of this passage, the most beautiful thing about being in the kingdom of God is that God has made his dwelling with you. 
And it's him who's going to come to you. And he's the one who's going to wipe the tears from your eyes. And he's the one who's going to pick up uh, uh, those sad and broken and destitute people and raise them up to sit on thrones with him. It's going to be Jesus who's there with us. And and that's the most beautiful part when he says, I I will be their God. And they will be my people. They're mine. They, They belong to me. They belong with me. And now they are here with me finally. You get to walk with him. The most beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is that your sins are forgiven. And you can enjoy a completely reconciled relationship. That there's no shame between you and God anymore. Like Bobby was talking about in in that beautiful communion meditation that that the bounds of the amount of sins that you have committed, the, the slate is wiped clean and there is nothing more except for just you and God and you can be unashamed there with him because Jesus paved a way. Now this is all true of the church today. You know that your sins are already washed away. You know that you already can enjoy a completely reconciled relationship with God, that you don't need to have any shame between you and him, that you live inside of his own family, inside of his own nation, inside of his own kingdom. You can enjoy all the benefits of this heavenly vision right now. But it's kind of hard to see, isn't it? You know, One thing we know about kingdoms, every kingdom has to have a boundary. He goes on in his vision and he says this in in verse 12 of Revelation 21. It had a great high wall and 12 gates and 12 angels at the 12 gates. And on the gates were the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. And on the east there were three gates and the north three gates and on the south three gates and the west three gates. Man, that's a little little strange to think about, right? Because it's like, well, who's outside the wall? (laughs) You know, it's like, that's a little bit weird. And, you know, spoiler alert, nobody. Uh, but uh, but he, here's the thing, right? You know, it's not like, they're, they're, you know, there's just going to be a bunch of people sitting outside wishing they could get in, right? That's not how, how it really looks. But in the picture, and, and what he's trying to describe is, there's a boundary. There is a differentiation between who is in the kingdom of God and who is outside of the kingdom of God. And we need to know the difference, right? Jesus preaches about it all the time. He talks about the sheep and the goats, right? There's a boundary. There's a chasm fixed in, in Lazarus and the rich man, right? Uh, he, he says there's wheat and there's chaff, you know? Uh, there's good fish and there's bad fish. You go through pretty much all of the parables, the wheat and the tares. You know, you go, you go through the, the good seed and the bad seed and the, the plants that produce and the plants that don't. You go through everything, basically, in all the parables that Jesus talks about. And he always talks about there's a boundary. There's a dividing line between who's with me and who's against me. There's a boundary between who is in the kingdom and who is out of the kingdom. And I know that sounds a little bit scary, but we've got to understand that. Because that is vitally important to our response to the kingdom. Matthew 7.13 says it this way. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow And the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Man, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like this part's a little (laughs) heavy-handed. 
But I just got to say it somehow so that we can all be on the same page. There is a harsh reality implied by the wall. And the truth is that not everybody makes it into that beautiful, wonderful kingdom. The truth is that not everybody makes it to heaven. And, and listen, friends, I'm not trying to be weird. I'm not trying to be aggressive here. But you got to say it. At some point, we just got to acknowledge it. Some people go to hell. I got to say that. That is uncomfortable to think about. That hurts me to think about. That pains me to think about. And sometimes when we don't think about it, we forget that those people that we walk by every day, those people that are, that, that are in the grocery stores and those people uh, that are at our local book club and those people you know, that, that, that play tennis with us or, 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 uh, or play cards with us or sit down across our, our table, the people that are outside watering their lawns and mowing their grass that are right next to us in our little cul-de-sac, some of those people are not in Christ. They're not in the kingdom. But it doesn't have to be that way. Because every kingdom has an entrance. And you understand that uh, when John sees this heavenly vision of walls all around the city, it's not just walls with no entrance, right? <laughs> he says there's gates. There's three of them on each side. I don't know why he needs that many, but if it's a long wall, so I guess, you know, just like convenience or whatever, you know, and, 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 and there's, there's, there's 12 gates all the way around the city. Anywhere that you want to come from, the east, the north, the south, you know, uh, or the west, anywhere that you want to be traveling to the city of God, you can come from there. And you can enter into the city. In Revelation 21, 21, he says, The twelve gates were twelve pearls, and each of the gates were made of a single pearl, and the street was a city of pure gold like transparent glass. The good news of the gospel of the kingdom is not that heaven exists. The good news of the gospel of the kingdom is that Jesus made a way to enter it. The point is not just to say, well, good news, guys, there's an afterlife. G great news, there's a kingdom. Bummer, you won't get to go in. But uh, it, it is good to you know, just hear that it exists. Uh, that's not the point, right? Uh, you, when you've got uh, walls that are 1,400 miles long, that's how long it says the walls are, and, and they're, they're 200 feet thick, it's good to have a door, <laughs> You know, because you're not, you're not going to climb that. You know, you're not going to jump over it. You're not going to dig under it. You, there's no way to get in except for that somebody lets you in, right? These walls are huge. And he says, there's doors. Jack Cottrell had an illustration, I think it was amazing, in one of his books about grace. He, he, he talked about uh, his evolution of his understanding of Jesus' grace. And he, he phrased it up like this. I'm going to steal it because it was pretty good. Uh, he, he said this. He said, you know, I used to think that... Uh, that grace was, you know, could be displayed like this. You know, a man walks up to the gate of heaven, um, you know, and the, and the angel standing there attending it. He says, well, congratulations. Uh, it's 100 points to enter. You need 100 points to get in. And, uh, you know, so you get points by doing good deeds, right? He's like, okay, well, 
Let me tell you, I've been doing some stuff down there, you know. I was a preacher, and I went to all the Bible conferences. I went to Bible college, and I, I, I uh, you know, I, I fed the, the poor, and, and, and you know, we, we did lots of things with our church and different activities and all sorts of stuff. And Angel goes, man, that is awesome. You're doing a great job. Doing a great job. Uh, that's worth one point. Okay, well, you know, uh, I was always kind to my neighbors, and, you know, and I, I, I would share, you know, when people asked me for things, and, you know, uh, I, I, I looked out, and I, I helped with the homeless ministry, and I really got down the trenches with people and all this sort of stuff. He's great. Oh, man, that's so awesome. You got two points now, right? And he said he used to think of grace like this, that, you know, when that was going on, Jesus would walk up to the gatekeeper, and he would say, hey, uh, it's okay, because I actually paid his other 98 points. That's what he said he used to think, you know, what would happen. That's a beautiful picture, right? It's a beautiful picture. But he said that's not quite right. That's not quite right. So he said, you know, our same, same situation, guy standing at the gate, and he goes up, and he's, he's trying to get in, but he just can't, you know, come up with enough points, and Jesus comes up to him, and he says, hey, it's okay. I already paid his 100 points, right? Because our, our works don't really add up to anything in our, in our progression into the kingdom, right? And that's how he used to think of it. Okay, all right, great. He said, but that's not really, truthfully, how grace works. That's how it works. Guy's standing there, and he's fumbling with his words, and he's trying to, he's trying to come up with enough points to enter into the kingdom of heaven, and uh, suddenly, uh, through the wall next to the, the gate, busts uh, Jesus like the Kool-Aid man, just boom, you know, it opens up a whole new entrance, and he says, come on in, all who belong to me, right? And that is the picture of what biblical grace looks like, because you didn't have uh, uh, any of your works count up to the total amount, right? And Jesus didn't come in by giving you a credit for works that you didn't do. He came in by making a new way in the wall. All right. And, and this is the, the good news about Jesus Christ, you know, and, and this is the, the picture. We know about this and we've been taught this and we talk about it. And we come to church every week and we talk about grace and we talk about salvation and we talk about Jesus and we talk about heaven. We talk about all these exciting things and then we go home and keep it a secret. There's a wall that is keeping people out of the kingdom of God and Jesus has busted a hole through it and you're going to not tell anyone about it. It's like your own secret hideout. You know, it's like, oh, I, I actually know how to get around. I can go through the, the wall that Jesus made, but like, oh, good luck. <laughs> yeah, hope, you, hope you make it, right? And, and this is just absolutely, no way would you do that. Is there anybody here who thinks that that's a reasonable course of action? Raise your hand. I was going to have to fight. Uh, all right, so, all right, we're good. Nobody, nobody thinks that's a reasonable course of action. Good. This is the point, right? Because if we really believe what we say that we believe, we need to get out there and tell people a way has been made through the gate. All right? There is an opportunity to enter into the kingdom of God. And here, I'll give you another secret. If you go to Revelation chapter 21, verse 24, it says this. By its lights... Uh, the will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring it into their glory and its gates, what? Will never be shut by day and there will be no night. They will bring into their, their glory and honor and nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. The gates are never shut by day and there is no night, which translates to what? It's always open, all right? The doors to the kingdom of heaven are always open. 
There is no shutting of the doors of the kingdom of heaven. These gates stand perpetually open to remind us that God's offer of salvation is to everyone. Every single person. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you think like. It doesn't matter if you're cool. It doesn't matter if I like you. All that matters is that you are a human being created in the image of God, and and that means the offer's for you. That's it. When I go out there and I'm looking around at different people, I don't need to worry myself about figuring out who the offer is for, right? Because that would be nerve-wracking. You know, if I was like, ah, it's a party tonight at the kingdom of God, and uh, I don't know, should, should I invite Sam? I don't know. Like, you know, it's like... It's like sometimes he's cool, but sometimes he makes fun of me. It hurts my feelings. <laughs> no, nah, I probably shouldn't invite Sam. No, anyway. Uh, <laughs> right? So, you know, this is not the thing. It's not an exclusive club. It's not something that you need to worry about, you know, sending out too many invitations or that there's not going to be enough room or that people, you know, if you try too hard, like people are going to just not want to come to heaven. All right? It's not happening. That's not real. All right? The, the, the proposition, which is very simple that I want to give you guys this morning, I promise We're close to the end, not the beginning. Uh, (laughs) The proposition is this, all right? To be the kingdom of God, we have to live like the gates are open. To be the kingdom of God, we have to live like the gates are open, all right? I want each and every one of you to walk away. I'm 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 almost to the conclusion now. No, just kidding. Uh, Look, I want each and every one of you to walk away with this idea. The gates to the kingdom of heaven are wide open, they are never shut, and that should change the way I live. That should change the way I live. If that doesn't change the way you live, then maybe you don't understand the proposition, all right? Maybe you're confused on it. But listen, people, if there are people out there who are outside of the kingdom of heaven and there has been a way that has been broken through and it is perpetually open for all people who would be willing to enter and you sit there and wait for them to ask, you've done a disservice. You've wasted your time. How many of you would like it if, uh, if I invited you over to my house? Eh? I baited you with some sort of tasty, delicious ribs. <laughs> so, you know, you walk in the front door. I go, you know, psh, and just kind of walk away. For a show of hands, anybody, anything that's good? Good, no, okay, all right, let's try another one. Maybe, maybe like if you came in the door, and I was kind of like, kind of awkwardly shuffled into a different room. You know, sorry for the people on Facebook. That was great over here. Uh, <laughs> you know, you'd be like, what's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with this guy? He invites us over for ribs. Now all of a sudden, you know, he doesn't know me, right? How, how many would, would like it if, uh, if you came in the, the room, right? You came into to my house, and I was like, hey, hey, shh. You know, actually, it, it more realistic would be like if you walked in, I'd be like, can you get my kids to shut up? Uh, <laughs> love you, children at home. Uh, <laughs> what if I told you to take your hat off? You know, you walk in the door, I'm like, hey, no hats in here. Take that bad boy off. What if I walked in, you walked in and I said, hey, you, you don't look like I need you to look. You need to go home and change, right? Come on back over when you're ready to be here, you know? Uh, uh, you know, what if I said, hey, you need to leave that drink 
in your car? What if, what if you came over and I just had a bad attitude the whole time? I just acted like I didn't want you to be there. Man, that would be a terrible way to show hospitality, wouldn't it? But I'll be totally honest with you when I say it has uh, not been that long since I've been at a church that acted exactly like that. Okay? I had, I had a, I'm going to tell a quick story. I shouldn't tell it. I don't have time for this. If I'm late, it's this story. Okay, so li- listen. Uh, it, it, when you, I went to this church not that long ago, okay, and we're there for the first time. We've never been to that church before in our entire lives. And um, a, a real grumpy old dude came up to my wife while um, our kids were just kind of milling about after service, right, and came up to my wife and said, uh, you need to get those kids to stop running, like that, like, like the biggest jerk you've ever met in your whole life. If he's listening, shame on you. Uh, <laughs> he comes up, that's the first thing he says to people who have never been to his church before, right? If that, and I, look, if I'd have been there, I'd probably, we'd have been fighting. Uh, but listen, it, it, this guy, okay, if I had not been a, a, a strong Christian, if I had been a visitor, guess what? Gone never back again. Peace. I'm out of it. I have no interest in being here, you know? Uh, listen, if I'd even been a weak Christian, you know, somebody who's struggling with their faith, deciding whether or not, you know, like, this is what I'm, I'm really all about, gone. Splitsville. I'm done. Why? Because the way that you interact with people matters. Nobody likes that. But, but for some reason, we struggle with that sometimes in the church. And I want to stop here and give you guys kudos, all right? I'm going to stop here and give you kudos. Movement is a very welcoming church. I, I'm new here. I haven't been here that long, so I think I'm still allowed to say that, right? Okay? When we came in, our family felt like you guys really cared about us, and we felt like you, you wanted to build real relationships with us, and we didn't have anybody come up and yell at us for our kids being crazy. Thank you. We know it's, we know it's a problem. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> You guys were kind to us, you loved us, and you brought us in, and thank you guys for that. I just want to say that off the bat, and continue to build a culture of hospitality like that, continue to excel at that, because you guys are doing great with that. But let me say this, if, if being welcoming is the only form of evangelism that we take part in, it's not enough. Just standing inside the gates and wishing that people would show up, and then when they come in the kingdom of God, being like, nice, love you. Thanks, thanks for showing up. You know what I mean? That's not enough. It's not enough. I wish it was enough. That sounds easy, but it's not enough. This is what Jesus had to say to the Pharisees concerning this. He said, Matthew 23, 13, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Why? For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. There's people out there who are shutting the doors to the kingdom of heaven that are supposed to be open all the time. How did they shut the doors? Well, by not sharing. Right? I mean, people could always go to the apostles and go here. They could always go to Jesus and go here. They just didn't tell anybody themselves. They said, look, you're not even willing to come in, but the worst yet sin is that not only are you not willing to come in, but you won't even let anybody else in you got all these disciples and all these people who are looking to you and who are wondering what truth is, and, and they are looking to you as established teachers, and they're saying, tell us the right way, and you know the right way, and you're ignoring it. You're not willing to tell them. Listen, there's only two types of people in this world. It's people who want to get everyone into heaven that they can, and people who are too busy. 
Let me say that again so that maybe it'll sink in. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm being mean. There's only two types of people. There's people who want to get every single person that they can into heaven and people who are too busy for it. Maybe you've fallen into that category sometimes. I have. I can give you a list of excuses a mile long for all the reasons why I didn't have enough time or enough energy to do what I was supposed to do in the kingdom. And I'll bet there's a list of people a mile long that were right next to me. That if I would have opened my mouth, if I would have shared something with them, if I would have told them about this magnificent, wonderful kingdom and, and, and the way that has been made in the wall so that he, they could enter into it, I'll bet there's a list of people a thousand or a million long who were standing next to me, who were brushing elbows with me, that if I would have said something, if I would have opened my mouth and spoken the word of God to them, they would have repented and they would have come and joined us in the kingdom. You know what? I can't do anything about that. But what I can do is resolve to never let it happen again. I can resolve to never let that happen again. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 says this, You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all that are in the house, and in the same way let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I just want to take this one thing out of that is just this, uh, is your life in Christ a secret? Do people know that you're a Christian? Do people know what you believe about God? Do people know that you want to talk to them about God? E even just that you're interested in having a Bible study with them. It, do they have any idea or any knowledge that you want them to come to church with you? Do they have any possibility of understanding that you're a Christian and that that's your goal and that that's what you're all about? Tell you what. Not always with me. I'll tell you what hurts the most is when you tell people that you're a Christian, they go, no way. <laughs> That's right. I remember I was a younger Christian. I was working someplace. I said, you know, some, some came up. I said, yeah, well, you know, I'm a Christian, you know, whatever. And they went, <laughs> and then they went, oh, oh, you're serious. They were like, we thought you were a pothead. It's like, hmm. apparently. <laughs> That's what they said. I'm just being honest. I'm just being real. Listen, that hurt. And I'll bet that there are people around you in your life right now that would be surprised. And so what I want to talk about real quick as we finish up is a couple of practical things uh, just to narrow down on this idea, living like the gates are open. All right? How do we live like the gates are open? What's it look like when we want to be involved in that process, when we want to reach out to people and change lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm going to give you a couple of quick things. First one is this. Pray for opportunities. Okay? Man, like if you're preaching a sermon and you miss out on prayer as a point, you're just failing. You're just losing 100%, right? Prayer is the first step of any list, okay? Listen, pray for opportunities. I'm going to tell you this. I have never, not one time, prayed for Jesus to send someone my way today, verbatim, send someone my way today that I can talk to about the gospel. And I have not had it happen, not even one time where something semi-miraculous didn't happen. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not making that up. Literally, I've been sitting in the place and like the dude who like 
has no, I never would have thought, you know, would be ready to hear the gospel. You know, I'm like, I've, I've judged him already. I'm like, he's gone. He's outside the kingdom, you know? And, 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 and literally, guy just walks up to me and goes, man, uh, you're a Christian, right? Yeah. He goes, I got some questions. <laughs> All right, here we go. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I literally prayed one day right before I went into work. There's this, you know, girl that I worked with. And I was like, man, I really need, I need to share with her. And I've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. It's been like six months since I started the job. I hadn't shared with her because I was afraid that people would judge me. People wouldn't like me anymore. People wouldn't hang out with me. Oh, that's that weird uh, Jesus guy runs around trying to convince everybody to go to church. That was me. I put it off, and I put it off, and I put it off. I finally, I prayed. I said, Lord Jesus, today's the day. You open the door, I'll walk through it. And he did. She started talking about some stuff. I jumped on it, and I started talking about it. You know what she said to me? I have been waiting since you started for you to ask me about this. Okay? The opportunities are out there. We're not looking. Okay? Pray for Jesus to put people in your path, and he will, all right? That's step number one. Be willing to walk through the door. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be the brightest. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to go through any sort of training. You don't have to be specialized or any sort of thing. What Jesus is looking for is people who are willing to walk through the door. Let him do the rest. Start. That's the first point. Pray for opportunity. Second thing is this. Prepare. Right? Pray and then prepare. Get started, then start preparing your mind. All right? Listen. All right? The worst thing, you know how many times I've had somebody come up to me and say, man, it was just so crazy. <laughs> I was at work, right? And uh, I was talking to my friend, and he started asking me questions about the Bible. He was like, hey, you know, what, do you believe in the Bible? And I, I had no idea what to say. I hear people say that all the time to me. I had no idea what to say. Okay, that's fair. It's reasonable. That's great if you, you know, were a Christian that like got baptized last week, okay? But until then, it's like, what, what are you doing? If not preparing for what to say, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like this, you come to church and you go to Bible study and you read your Bible and you have no, like in your back of your mind, like maybe I should think about using that someday, you know, because it's just like a social exercise. We just come here just to listen, to be analytical about it. And then we go home with zero thought about putting those words into action. Start today, when you're listening to a sermon, when you're at a Bible study, when you're reading your Bible, start thinking. What if somebody asked me about that? How would I put that into words? How would I think about that, right? All the verses that we use to talk about Bible study, I'm going to list them out. 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to a worker or sorry, excuse me, present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed doing what? Rightly handling the word of truth. Is that talking about sitting in your bedroom alone and reading? Or is that talking about getting ready to go use the word? Which ones are talking about? Let's go to 2 Timothy 3.16. Surely that'll help us, right? All scripture is God-breathed uh, and is profitable for what? Reading. Nope, it's not in there. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. You know what the Bible's for? It's for teaching you how to get people through the gate. That's the point. You got an instruction manual. Go use it. How about Psalms 119? Let's meditate. Let's meditate on the word, right? Okay, Psalms 119, verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart. Boom. That's the one, and that's great, and that's true 100%. But you know what he says right after that? 
Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes with your lips. I declare all the rules of your mouth. If we translated that into 2021 American Christianity, it would say, with my lips, I keep them pursed and silently read my Bible in my workplace. I declare, I, I declare your rules. Man, we need some people who want to get out there and declare the rules of the Lord. Man, that'd be awesome, right? Bible study getting a little boring. You know, you're zoning out during Bobby's sermons sometimes. Look, we've all been there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You know, look, I understand it. I totally get it, right? Maybe the problem is with us and not with him, right? That's our fault, okay? When you're not paying attention, when somebody's up there talking or you're doing something like that, the reason is because you aren't thinking that it's useful. You got no mental idea about where you're going to use that, right? Uh, maybe you've been studying a long time. It's hard. It's hard to get in these things. What you got to do is you got to get off the bench and get in the game. Um, I recommend this. This is, a, this is a practical recommendation. Get together. If you're, if you're serious about this and you come away from this sermon thinking, I want to actually change and I want my life to make a difference in who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. If you're 100% serious about that, this is the challenge. I'm a little early, but this challenge. Talk to a more mature Christian and ask them to help you prepare for that. That's it. Right? Sit down with them and say, how do I, how do, I do this, right? Because maybe you know the, the book knowledge. You've been a Christian for 50 years, right? You know the, the Sunday school answers. You know, if somebody does uh, Bible trivia, you got it, like right on the money, right? But then somebody asks you in public, and you're like, blah, 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 right? It's because you've never done it before. That's okay. That's not, that doesn't mean you're bad at evangelism. It just means that you haven't practiced it, right? Who here can do anything good without practice? Nobody, right? You got to get out there and you got to practice. And maybe one of the best ways to start that practice is for you to get together with a more mature Christian and run through some scenarios. That's it. Hey, what would you say if somebody said this? What would you say if I brought up this? What would you do with this? Um, all right, here we go. We're going to run through these last couple here. Uh, number three, be, oh, sorry. No, you know what? We got one last one. Hold on. Before be intentional. I don't know. Uh, how much knowledge do you need before you can start evangelizing? The amount you have right now. That's it, right? You already have it. If you know enough to become a Christian, you know enough how to tell somebody else to become a Christian. Bottom line, you're already ready, okay? So don't let that hang you up, but do get ready and do prepare. Number three, be intentional. Evangelism is not accidental. It doesn't happen by magic, all right? This is the most common misconception I feel like people have. They're like, yeah, of course I would tell somebody about the gospel if they came up, punched me in the face, held me down, chained me into a you know, chair and said, tell us, right? Like, like then you'd be like, okay, I'll tell you, right? You know? It's like, that's not how evangelism works. They are not the initiating party, okay? Most people are not out there just looking around, begging someone to come and tell them about the gospel, all right? Most people have someone interact with them in their life and bring up to them the fact that they need to know something. There is important truth they are missing out on in their life, and you need to be that person who is ready to go and do that activity, right? For you to go uh, and to do it. This means have a plan. Have a plan. Come up in your mind with how you're going to do it. If you meet somebody, the first thought you should have, listen, this is not duplicitous. The first thought you should have is, A, are they a Christian? B, how do I make sure they are one? Right? How do I get them there if they're not? Everything else, sure, comes later, right? But if they're not a Christian, your first priority is to make them one, right? I know you can't make anybody a Christian, but help them. 
help them become one, right? Um, uh, here's most people's, this is the most common plan I see for evangelism broken down into three easy steps. One, become the person's best and most trusted friend. Number two, keep waiting until they die, move away, or end the friendship. Number three, regret not telling them sooner. That's it. That's what I hear all the time. They're like, well, I'm waiting. I'm waiting, man. I, I heard one lady tell me, she's like, 14 years I've been waiting to tell this person. Let's do it. Let's go this week. Come on, call her. <laughs> you know what I mean? let's, let's get out there and let's go tell her about this. Point four, listen to the spirit, all right? Not to be confused with the spirit of timidity because 2 Timothy says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, not of timidity, but of power, of love, and self-control. And it seems most of the time when God lays it on our hearts to talk to somebody about Jesus, the, the only spirit we listen to is the one telling us, don't do it. Listen, friends, if God tells you and lays on your heart, Bobby, uh, man, killing it. So Bobby, Bobby preached a, a couple weeks ago, and he said, uh, you know, if God lays it on your heart to do something good, just go do it, right? And I tell you what, Bobby, that, that helped me. That freed me up because, like, there was, I started doing it. I just started going around and just, I, I, yeah, no, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to pay for this person's meal. I'm going to go give this person some money. I'm going to go help this person out. I'm going to go do something. I just started doing it, and it's awesome, and I love it. Thank you for that tip, uh, and, and that's beautiful. I'm going to say the same thing, steal his point about evangelism. If God lays it on your heart to talk to somebody about Jesus, do it. It is way more important that you start the conversation, that you listen to the Spirit, that you obey Jesus. It is more important than that you do it well right? It's more important that you get it done and you get started than it is that you go out there and plan the perfect approach and, and nail all the talking points and you're killing it and you're, oh, look how good I'm doing it. That's you. That didn't give Jesus glory at all. Go out there, listen to the Spirit, and start talking. All right, last two ones we'll go through real quick here. One, uh, work as a team. You don't have to do this by yourself. Uh, that, that's like the, probably the biggest, uh, hindrance for a lot of people is they're like, I'm, I'm too scared, right? Tell you what makes you way less scared? Go with two people, right? If you want to go start a conversation with somebody that you know about Jesus, take your, take your friend from church. Jesus sent his apostles out, how? Two by two, right? Two by two, didn't send them out alone. Why? Because when you're alone, you're going to chicken out. <laughs> yeah, simply, simply put, you're going to chicken out, right? Go with your friend and tell them before you go, hey, listen, I got my friend, uh, you know, she's over here. I know her from this, blah, blah, blah. I really want to talk to her about Jesus. Will you just keep me accountable and help me to lead the conversation in ways that will help us to talk to this person about Jesus? You do that, you're going to win uh, 100% more times than if you go by yourself, all right? Uh, that's, that's some simple, basic stuff. If you don't have a partner, uh, first of all, if you got a, a husband or a wife, uh, ding, 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 you guys should know each other pretty well. That should be an easy partner to go to. But I also recommend having a, a same-sex partner, uh, <laughs> uh, I recommend having a, a partner of, of the gospel of the same gender <laughs> so that you can go out uh, it, it, with, together and go talk to people, right? I knew that would get me in trouble. <laughs> uh, <laughs> find, find your Barnabas or your Paul, right? You go out there, you find somebody that you work well with, and then you go out there and you get it done. And last one is just this. Be yourself. Be yourself is an Aladdin reference. So <laughs> be yourself, right? Here's, here's the point. God has given you gifts that he has not given me. God gave you skills and abilities and relationships that he has not given me. There are people in the, out there in the world that I cannot reach, but you can, right? It's important that you use it. 
It's important that you use it. It's important that you go out there and you evangelize the people in the way that you're best uh, suited to do so, right? Um, all right, last, last thing. We'll close on this. There was a uh, <laughs> friend who told me a story about uh, a zoo. I don't know if it's actually true or not. He told it to me as though it was a true story, but he might be playing shenanigans on me. This is what he said. He said there was a, a, a zoo, and um, there was this old guy who worked at the zoo. And it was like everybody's favorite dude. You know, when they went to the zoo, they always thought about him. You know, he was the guy outside in the ticket booth, right? And so they would go up and they'd talk to him and he'd always have a smiling face and he'd give like the kids a piece of candy and he was like a super nice dude and all the kids knew who he was. His name was Charles and, and he, uh, he worked at the front gate for like as long as anybody could remember, you know? And they're like, man, he's so welcoming. He's such a nice guy. Like, man, this is so killer, right? This is amazing. Unfortunately, uh, Charles, uh, he was getting up there in age, and one day, Charles passed away, and people in the whole community were shocked. They were devastated. They're like, man, the zoo is just not going to be the same without Charles. Charles is such a big part of this zoo. And uh, they, they started, you know, finally, they kind of started moving on, and they're like, well, we got we to hire a new guy to replace Charles. How are we going to find somebody who's who's good enough. So they started looking up and they're like, well, we need to figure out, you know, how much we can put up there, how much was Charles paid and how much can we afford? So they looked up and they're trying to find, they're like, we don't have any, we don't have any records of his pay scale. So they called out to the, the, the town hall and they get the commission sent over when they first set up the zoo. They're like, you know, do you have any information about how, you know, how much we're supposed to pay this guy or whatever? And right there at the top, they've commissioned a free zoo. Zoo's free. What they didn't realize is that Charles, like 50 years before that, had set up a ticket booth out front. And he was just taking people's money. He's just sitting out there for like 50 years. And they talked about it. And they're like, this guy just... Nobody could remember when he wasn't there, so they just assumed he was supposed to be there. And it was a dude sitting out front charging tickets to a free zoo. This guy did it for years, and they didn't find out until he died. <laughs> and you think about that, and you go, man, that's a ridiculous story. How did they not notice that? How did they not understand that? But there's some people... charging tickets to a free kingdom. There's people among us who are making it harder to get into the kingdom than even Jesus would. There's people who are not open. They show prejudice and they don't evangelize to people they don't see eye to eye with. They don't evangelize to people they don't like. They make it into a social club and a clique. Sometimes they let fear be that thing standing in between the kingdom of God and a person who's a lost soul in need of forgiveness. Whatever the reasons are, I challenge you this morning to live as though the kingdom has open gates. To live as though the kingdom has free entry. Get out of your own way get out of the people in your life's way into the kingdom of God. 
Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for uh, just an amazing time to be together. God, to talk about the things that matter most to you, Father, lost souls. God, we know that that was uh, your son's mission as he came, Father, and he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Father, give us a zeal and a passion for these people, God, uh, like we've never had before. Pray, God, for change in our lives, that we wouldn't walk away the same people, Father, that we arrived today. God, teach us. Help us, God, to let go of our pride. God, humbly come to you. God, not to let the past keep us away, but God, to just come to you humbly and say, Father, use me however you want. We thank you and we pray this all in your son's holy, precious, wonderful name. Amen.